So I said, General, get ready, because I may grab you so fast. Because I can't fall with a fake news watcher. Have you ever felt a visceral attraction to a politician? There is not a liberal America and a conservative America. There is the United States of America. I am your voice. Ask yourself if they're really telling the truth. This is a secret innuendo being leaked out there about me. I was honestly concerned that he might lie about the nature of our meeting. This is Subliminally Correct, a podcast where we examine all the ways politicians and newsmakers are using psychological tactics to influence you every single day. And now, join myself, Taylor Sherman, certified hypnosis instructor and executive coach, along with my co-host, Alex Dobranek, political consultant and certified consulting hypnotist, on this episode of Subliminally Correct. And welcome to another episode of Subliminally Correct. What's up for today, Alex? Well, today we're back breaking down Trump's first rally after the pandemic hit. This one is in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and although it is sparsely attended, his core audience was still there to cheer him on. Now, in this section, we're going to hear Trump calling back to some of those familiar references we talked about last episode. And we're going to hear a rather amusing take from him about why he walked down that ramp at West Point the way he did. How does he manage to get his supporters to love him so much? Let's break down this first clip. This cruel campaign of censorship and exclusion violates everything we hold dear as Americans. They want to demolish our heritage so they can impose their new oppressive regime in its place. They want to defund and dissolve our police departments. Think of that. You know, I heard it for the first time two weeks ago. I said, well, that one, I mean, they're only kidding. I said, they're wrong. They're not. Minneapolis, you see what's going on? They're not kidding. They got a lot of problems. They'll have a lot of problems. Hey, it's one o'clock in the morning and a very tough, you know, I've used the word on occasion, hombre. A very tough hombre is breaking into the window of a young woman whose husband is away as a traveling salesman or whatever he may do. And you call 911 and they say, I'm sorry, this number is no longer working. (laughs) By the way, you have many cases like that, many, 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 whether it's a young woman, an old woman, a young man or an old man, and you're sleeping. So what are you going to do, right? So they wanted to fund, they really do, this is a serious movement. And in Minneapolis, the council's already passed it. In Seattle, you see what's going on there. It's even worse, okay? These people are stone-cold crazy. They're crazy. All right, so before we get down to breaking down this first clip, we'd like to remind you all that if you enjoy the show, please remember to support the show. You can do that by going down to the link in the show notes. That's in our Patreon page as well as going to our website at subliminallycorrect.com, hitting that Support Us tab, and we really appreciate your support. So each month here, we've got server costs as well as the time spent developing the show, 
and we want to remain independent here and because of that we never run ads so supporting us today means that we can continue to do this show on the air tomorrow so please remember to chip in even just a few dollars really helps us to keep going on so please do that scroll down and remember to let us know your thoughts about the show you can tweet at us that's at subliminal pod so let's go ahead and break down this first clip so here we've got a moment where Donald Trump is really playing up this idea of defunding the police. He does this thing where he steps into this narrative where he's almost explaining the way that he heard about it, almost in a way that the listener might have heard about it themselves. So he says, you know, they want to defend and dissolve our police departments. Think of that. I heard it for the first time a few weeks ago. I said, you're only kidding. And they said, no, we're not kidding. So that's probably an experience that a lot of people might have had in, you know, maybe when a relative tells them about this or they're reading about it in a paper. They might say, you know, oh, no, 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 that's that can't be right. Right. And then they're reading a little bit more and then they find out, oh, that is really what they're saying. So he's able to, you know, explain this thing and then frame it, frame that experience in a way that sounds totally outrageous. And then, you know, because the listener has had an experience sort of like that before, then now they're going to go along a little bit more with his framing there. And he can basically paint the policy however he wants. Yeah. And then he steps into explaining about this imaginative scenario. So it's one o'clock in the morning. You know, he doesn't say, like, imagine as if it were one o'clock. He says it's one o'clock in the morning and a very tough ombre, you know, is kind of uh, not even masked racism here, you know, that he uh, goes into. So, you know, this very tough ombre is breaking the window of a young woman whose husband is a traveling salesman. So he's like building up this completely fictional by the way completely fictional alternate reality here of okay it's one o'clock in the morning and this is what's happening and you know whatever it is that he may do and you call 911 so he's walking them through this he's associating them into it so there's a difference between language that is describing what has happened so something in the past or what might happen something in the future something that could happen so you're asking them explicitly to imagine it as a possibility but what he's doing with this language is saying it's happening it's in the present and present progressive tense and so as he's walking him through these points here this is something where the person associates themselves into that moment in time and so and then he says you know you have many cases like that could be a young woman or an old woman it could be this or it could be that And so he's guiding that listener into this made-up scenario that, of course, always ends, you know, very badly. But notice how he makes it as though it's credible, and then he takes that whole thing and he links it up with this idea of, well, this is what's going to happen if you defund the police department. No one's going to answer 911. And then he says, these people are stone-cold crazy. So he's assisting them in making a generalization about all of the Democrats and all of the Democratic policies. He uses one example of one particular policy. He paints it in an imaginative light, and then he uses that imaginative light, not the actual policy. This is important to realize, 
but the imaginative storytelling he's just guided you through. And then he uses that as kind of like a straw man to say, well, these people are crazy because of that imagination that I just led you through. And they're not just crazy with this, they're crazy with everything, which we know that Donald Trump likes to generalize. Now, in this next section here, we're going to hear all about why Donald Trump had a hard time walking down that ramp after a speech he gave to uh, some of the students at West Point. One thing to pay attention here, you know, it's a little bit long, but it is very entertaining. But be sure to pay close attention to the moments where he's bringing the listener in and out of reality and his, his made-up story and then commenting on that made-up story and reality. So he sort of plays fast and loose with what's real and what's not and what's commentary. So take a listen right here. You know, it was interesting to show you how fake they are. You might have seen it. So last week they called me and they say, sir, West Point, West Point, we're ready. I said, oh, that's right. I have to make the commencement speech at West Point. You know, they delayed it for six weeks because of COVID. So they delayed it. And I went there. 1,106 cadets were graduated and beautiful. Beautiful cadets. So this is just to show you how bad the fake news is. So they say to me, sir, we're ready to go. I say, let's go. This is after saying hello to a lot of cadets, uh, inspecting little areas of a building that was very exciting. Actually, it's beautiful, very old. Studied a lot of our great generals, some of our presidents that went there. West Point is beautiful, right on the Hudson River. But after an hour, general that runs it is a fantastic guy. After an hour, we land, we do some more inspections, and they say, sir, are you ready? Yes, I am. So we walk like the equivalent of about three blocks, which is fine. We go on stage, which is fine. They make speeches. Then I make a speech that lasted a long time. I don't know, maybe 45 minutes, maybe longer. I don't know, but a long time. The sun is pouring down on me, okay? But they said to me before the speech, sir, would you like to salute each cadet, each single cadet, or maybe they'll be in groups of two. Would you like to salute like this? Yes. Like this. Almost 600 times. You know what that is? 600 times! Thank God they were in twos. Because let me tell you, you do that 600 times, you go home and you say, it's like a workout without a weight, right? 600 times. So I did that. Then the incredible helicopters, brand new, gorgeous helicopters, the Apaches and the other new ones that we just bought. So they fly over. And the kids throw the hats in the air. It's beautiful, it really is. And it was a beautiful day. And we're all finished. I was on the stage for hours, hours. Sun, I came home, I had a nice tan. <laughs> meaning, meaning I had a nice sunburn. Oh, the sun's going right like that. But I make the speech, right? I salute for 
probably an hour and a half, maybe more, but around that. Watch, if I'm off by two minutes, I'll say, he exaggerated. It was only an hour and 25 minutes. He exaggerated, he lied, he lied, he's a liar. These people are sick, the fake news. So then, so then, I finished saluting my final salute. I said, thank goodness, thank you very much. But think of it, so essentially almost 600 times. Now, the general says, sir, are you ready? I said, I'm ready, general. Where are we going now? You have to understand, I left early in the morning to get there. Now it's sort of late in the afternoon. A lot of these fakers were with us. So they know. He said, sir, we can now leave the stage. I said, great, General, let's go. I'll follow you. And he goes like this, right here, sir. I walk on. And the stage was higher than this one. And the ramp was probably 10 yards long. I say, General! Now, you got to understand, I have the whole Corps of Cadets looking at me. And I want them to love their president. I did this big thing. I love them. I love them. They're incredible. And they do. I said, General, I've got myself a problem, General because I'm wearing leather bottom shoes, which is good if you're walking on flat surfaces. It's not good for ramps. And if I fall down, look at all those press back there, look at that. And this was a steel ramp. You all saw it, because everybody saw it. This was a steel ramp. It had no handrail. It was like an ice skating rink. And I said, General, I have a problem. And he didn't understand that at first. I said, there's no way. You understood? I just saluted almost 600 times. I just made a big speech. I sat for other speeches. I'm being baked. I'm being baked like a cake. I said, General, there's no way I can make it down that ramp without falling on my ass, General. I have no railing. True. It's true. So I said, is there like something else around? Sir, the ramp is ready to go. Grab me, sir. Grab me. I didn't really want to grab him. You know why? Because I said, that'll be a story, too. So now I have a choice. I can stay up there for another couple of hours and wait till I'm rescued. Or I can go down this really steep, really, 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 it's an ice skating rink. It's brutal. So I said, General, get ready, because I may grab you so fast. Because I can't fall with the fake news watching. If I fall, if I fall, I remember when President Ford fell out of the plane, you remember? I remember when another president Nice man threw up in Japan. 
And they did slow motion replays. It's true. Right? It's true. I don't want that, General. Now, he's standing there, big, strong guy, and he's got these shoes, but they're loaded with rubber on the bottom. Because I looked, the first thing I did, I looked at his shoes. Then I looked at mine. Very, very slippery. So I end up saying, okay, General, let's go. I will only grab you if I need you. That's not a good story. Falling would be a disaster. It turned out to be worse than anything. I would have been better off if I fell and slid down the damn ramp. Right? So, so what happens is I start the journey inch by inch, right? And I was really bent over, too. I didn't like that. You know, I didn't like this picture. This picture, I'm sure, will be an ad by the fakers. So I was bent over, right? And then we finally reached almost the end. And the fake news, the most dishonest human beings, they cut it off. You know why? Because when I was 10 feet short, I said, General, I'm sorry. I'm and I ran down the rest, right? I looked very handsome. That, that was the only good thing. I wouldn't want to run down the whole thing because the fall there would be definitely bad. So I took these little steps. I ran down the last 10. And by the way, their tape, take a look, in almost every instance, it ends just before I run. And they said, here was the number one trending story. I called my wife. I said, how good was that speech? I thought it was a, hey, look, I will tell you when I make good ones and bad ones. Like so far tonight, I'm average. Okay. But we're having fun. We're having fun. So far tonight. But I called my wife and I said, how good was it, darling? She said, you're trending number one. I said to our great first lady, I said, let me ask you a question. Was it that good, the speech, that I'm trending number one? Because I felt it was really good. No, no, they don't even mention the speech. They mentioned the fact that you may have Parkinson's disease. It's true. It's true. It's true. They say there's something wrong with our president. I'll let you know if there's something wrong, okay? I'll let you know if there's something. I'll tell you what, there's something wrong with Biden, that I can tell you. So, so then my wife said, well, it wasn't only the ramp. Did you have water? I said, yeah. I was speaking for a long time. I didn't want to drink it, but I wanted to wet my lips a little bit. You know, you're drinking for, you're working hard up there with the sun pouring down on you. I love this location, the sun's like this. 
This way they save on lighting, right? That's why they did it, probably. So what happens is, I said, what does it have to do with water? They said, you couldn't lift your hand up to your mouth with water. I said, I just saluted 600 times like this. And this was before I saluted. So what's the problem? She said, well, I know what you did. You had on a very good red tie that's a sort of expensive. It's silk because they, they look better. They have a better sheen to them. And I don't want to get water on the tie. And I don't want to drink much. So I lifted up the water. I see we have a little glass of water. Where the hell did this water come from? Where did it come from? And I looked down on my tie, because I've done it. I've taken water, and it spills down into your tie. It doesn't look good for a long time. And frankly, the tie is never the same. So I put it up to my lip, and then I say, because I don't want it, just in case. And they gave me another disease. They gave me another disease. <laughs> All right. Well, there was uh, President Trump explaining why he uh, had that unstable gait going down the ramp at West Point. In fact, he went into a 12-minute story there about... Um, why and what happened and how he had saluted so much. And, you know, there's just so much in here to, to break down within this. And what you really get from this is how great of a storyteller, you know, Trump is. He, he goes into these stories and he's telling you so many of the little details. He does the cartoon voice, you know, sir, are you ready? Yes, I am. You know, he does this, this, uh, this, uh, fake voice there and he's describing it point by point. Okay, the sun is pouring down on me, okay? I had a very good tan. Actually, I had sunburn. And he he talks about how, you know, they wanted for him to be respectful to the cadets. And so, would you like to salute each cadet? Yes, I would. You know, there's 600 of them and thank God they were in pairs. 600 times, 600 times. And then, you know, he's going into this idea of how he had saluted for an hour and a half. And then, um, you know, and of course, you know, if I'm off by five minutes with that prediction, if I say that it's an hour and 25, they're going to say you're a liar. You exaggerated. Um, you know, he's a liar. He's a liar. You know, that's the fake news. And of course, what he's doing there is, you know, really getting ahead of any objections and painting every time that someone calls him a liar as well. He's just off by five minutes, you know, an hour 25 instead of an hour and 30. And so as he's, you know, um, going through that, we hear his colorful language there about the ramp. It's an ice skating rink, he says, and I have on the the leather bottom shoes and the, the general has on the rubber soled shoes. That's the first thing I did was I looked at his shoes, the rubber soled shoes, but I've got on the leather bottom shoes and it's an ice skating rink and look at how much he dramatizes it, right? So this idea of him going into this big story, it just shows that he can give anything as a story, even something that is embarrassing and if he's colorful enough in how he describes the story, people will stay with him and they'll cheer for him because as he's making it more dramatic, talking about how I, I know that I have two choices. I can stay up there and I can wait until I'm rescued or I can go down. 
So, like, think about what he's doing here. He's like, okay, um, you know, it's it's the the peril is is here, and I'm in this dangerous situation. And I there's no other way down. I have to wait until I'm rescued. And then he says, I start the journey inch by inch, <laughs> and it's just he he goes through it with such detail in terms of that storytelling. Where even if you felt like, wow, like what is this guy doing going down this ramp? It's he makes the story so amusing and he gets people to laugh at it. And so he has them associate a different emotion now to the story versus the emotion that he had uh, at the beginning. Yeah, I think that's a great point there. This is where his sort of stand up comedian showmanship comes in is that he is able to create that crazy story where regardless of whether you think it's true or not. It's still really funny and really exciting to listen to and draws the listener in so that they sort of feel a different emotion and associate it there with that story. Now, a couple of things that he does during the speech, you know, he sort of starts off with, you know, this is just to show you how bad the fake news are. So right there from the beginning, he's sort of priming the listener here of like, you know, I say that the fake news is fake all the time. But now we're going to talk about just how fake they are. And, you know, he, of course, uses those uh, fake voices of the generals to sort of drag the listener into the story. And then he comments on that painting that he just made. But as far as the story itself, he starts, you know, almost like he's complaining about, you know, the, the duties and the events that took place throughout this whole visit to West Point. But in reality, what he's doing is he's setting up the framing for the entire story right there uh, by by uh, almost making the listener feel sympathy for his experience of saluting 600 times. Um, he's priming the listener for that explanation. And, you know, the reason why that actually works is because he does it in a way that makes the listener um almost feel like they're getting some inside information, um, some sort of, uh, you know, uh, glimpse into the official duties of the president in this moment. Because, of course, the listener doesn't know that this is leading up to the ramp story. They're just hearing inside information about what it's like to be Donald Trump, the president of the United States. And so they're drawn into this explanation here so far. And then somehow through his speech here, we're led into this story about the ramp all of a sudden. So you're you're brought into it. You don't really know where that transition exists between him talking about official duties and this explanation about the ramp happening here. It's 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 almost, you know, really artful the way that he makes that transition. He uses things like, you know, you all saw it, everybody saw it, um, to sort of a bolster that whole you know inoculation he did with the you know uh for off by two minutes they'll say he exaggerated um you know he tries to reinforce that there by talking about how you know you all saw it everybody saw it well nobody actually saw the the, the story that he's describing because it didn't happen but he says that um to sort of uh, play up this idea that the media just exaggerated everything and then, you know, he says a lot of the time here that they don't even mention the speech. They don't 
do this. They don't do that. They're all going to say this. You know, who is the they here? The first idea could be, okay, it's the fake news media. But the they could be painted into Democrats, the news media, maybe your friend with a different perspective that approaches you the next day at work. Uh, That they is so ambiguous that it, again, bolsters that inoculation so that if they hear people in the future with different ideas about what was going on, that they have that ammunition right there, that this is all just played up and, and exaggerated here. And then he brings up this whole idea of a disease, talking about, you know, they gave me another disease, uh, Parkinson's. They're going to say Parkinson's. And, uh, you know, uh, w- one more moment there where he's using that they and then uh, sort of attributing this this bad thing uh, repeatedly. He says it multiple times. And then one last thing here is that, you know, the whole point of this is to get the listener to sort of feel sympathy for Donald Trump in that moment. And one thing that he does do is when he's talking about the water um, and drinking that water there and, and the sun beating down on him and him getting a sunburn, he sort of plays fast and loose with his pronouns. So at some point he switches from talking about, you know, I and me uh, into switching into saying you and your, you know, so you're up there and the sun's beating down on you and it's hot and it's sweltering, you're thirsty. And he does that there to associate the listener into his experience. Because when when somebody is talking to you and they tra- they transition into using the pronouns of you and your instead of I and me, people often do that subconsciously to try and gain sympathy and to put the listener in their shoes and to get them to experience in their mind what the speaker is experiencing. This is exactly what Donald Trump does here to sort of get the listener on his side. And so, you know, this whole story here is just completely bonkers, but it's what makes Donald Trump such an engaging speaker, regardless of whether or not he's saying anything true or not. People just want to hear it. People just like hearing it. And whether it's true or not, they now have a positive emotion associated with that. Now, in this next clip, we're going to be listening to Donald Trump portraying the Democrats universally as bad. Let's take a listen. They don't mention the speech, but they have me going down this ramp at an inch of time. It's so unfair. It really is. So unfair. They are among the most dishonest people anywhere on earth. They're bad people. Bad people. Okay, that's enough of that. I wanted to tell that story. Does everybody understand that story? The left-wing anarchists tore down a statue of Thomas Jefferson. Now we're getting into the real story. They decapitated a statue of Christopher Columbus, except in New York when the Italians surrounded it. They didn't have too much of a chance. Those Italians, I love the Italians. They heard they were going to rip down their beautiful Christopher Columbus, and all of a sudden they circled that thing. They didn't do too well in hurting Christopher, did they? Thank you. 
to our Italian population. We're very proud of you, right? Two days ago, leftist radicals in Portland, Oregon, ripped down a statue of George Washington and wrapped it in an American flag and set the American flag on fire. Democrat, Dem all Democrat. Everything I tell you is Democrat. And you know, we ought to do something, Mr. Senators. We have two great senators. We ought to come up with legislation that if you burn the American flag, you go to jail for one year. One year. Jim and James. Jim and James. We ought to do it. You know, they talk about freedom of speech, and I'm a big believer in freedom of speech, but that's desecration. That's a terrible thing they do. We used to have things. We don't have them anymore because we want to be so open, so everything, and look what happens. We should have legislation that if somebody wants to burn the American flag and stomp on it, but just burn it, they go to jail for one year, okay? And in this clip, we're hearing Trump transition from the aftermath of his speech where the reporters didn't focus on how great his speech was at West Point. Instead, they focused on that moment of him coming down the ramp. So he says, you know, kind of parroting this this idea again, you know, people are talking to me. It's that idea of that extended quotes. People say, sir, that was a great speech. They don't mention the speech again. Like Alex was saying, the last part here. Who is they? Who, who exactly is they? They don't mention that. They are the most dishonest people anywhere on earth. Well, that's a big claim. You know, the most dishonest people anywhere on earth. And then he just has this really sudden transition to talking about the anarchists. The anarchists um, tore down a statue of Thomas Jefferson. They did this to Christopher Columbus. But in New York, they didn't do it. And so... You know, and then he goes into this thing of setting the American flag on fire. And notice what he's doing here. He's really just tying up. He's saying a lot of negative things of where, you know, someone, a more extremist um, version who happens to be someone who might identify as liberal or a progressive or a Democrat. And then he ties that into the Democratic Party as a whole. So this is this is just a common tactic, right? You look at the most extreme thing that someone within a very broad party does, and then you point to that evidence as saying, well, all of them are like that. So it's a it's a composition fallacy, right? It's being able to take one little part and then generalizing that out to all of the whole. Yeah. What I loved about this section here is the way that he did that transition from the whole speech. So he sort of sums it all up with this one statement. He says, think of how you feel if you're me. And what that does is that then, you know, they just heard this whole story and they're all laughing about it. And then he's asking them directly, sit down and reflect on all of that and think about how you feel if you're me and you're treated so unfairly. So, um, that's a great way to get the listener to associate with that experience and really, you know, get involved in that role play right there. Another thing that he does here is he really just uh, it sort of stops everybody at the end of the story and says, 
Do you all understand that story? Do you all understand it? Which is a really odd thing to say. But you know what? Everybody says yes, and they acknowledge it. And it's one of those moments where if you can get somebody to uh, verbalize and to sit back, reflect, uh, and and then reflexively say, yes, I agree, I accept, I understand. It's another way to get the listener to internalize everything that's just been said and to reinforce that within their mind. And that's exactly what he's doing there. And then he moves on to talking about the bad Democrats and, and how, you know, the anarchists are tearing everything down. So here he's defining who that they is, who the, those they people are. Uh, they're the ones ripping down the statues. And then he moves to everything I'm telling you is Democrat. They're Democrat. And there he's defining who this ambiguous they uh, people are. They're Democrats. And then at the end, he just sums it all up. We used to have things. We don't have them anymore because we <laughs> we want to be so open and look at what happens. And it's another, he's so vague that exactly, exactly, you know, this is why we can't have nice things is because there are Democrats tearing them all down. And it's, but it's just such a fundamental way to get somebody to experience disgust yeah things used to be great but now everything is bad you know back in the 50s everything was wonderful but now it's so terrible well you might have been a child in the 50s uh you know things like that where he's able to you know really make the listener reflect on their feeling that modern times aren't what they used to be or what they thought they were back in the day and it's just disgusting and he's sort of expressing that and inviting the listener to experience that as well. All right, I think that's all the time that we've got for today. Remember that if you enjoy the show, remember to support the show. You can do that by going to the link in the show notes as well as going to our website, clicking the Support Us tab, and then that will take you to donate just a couple of dollars to keep the show on the air, ad-free and growing. Also, if you like the show, remember to rate us and review us on iTunes, five stars. That's the best app to do it on. And please let us know what you think of the show, ideas, topics, things you'd like to cover. You can tweet at us at SubliminalPod as well as following us on Twitter and Facebook. And we'll see you again next week.